With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Solskjaer has won the European Cup for Manchester United. It's absolutely astonishing. The double is definitely Manchester United. Too far for Ronaldo to think about it. Oh! Absolutely sensational! It's red in Russia. This English night in Europe is Manchester United's night. Manchester United play three games in eight days again in a busy period of the season. They scrape past Rochdale on penalties, draws to Arsenal as VAR causes controversy and it's only a draw away to AZ Alkmaar in the UEFA Europa League. Of course, we didn't actually play in Alkmaar because the stadium roof has fallen in. It's another tricky week for Solskjaer and his players who continue to be under serious pressure. We discuss all of that as well as previewing Sunday's game against Newcastle and giving our regular and extensive youth loan and women's roundup in the middle of the show. Right, Jack, let's talk about uh, the game we've just watched as well as uh, kind of I think we should probably focus in on Arsenal as well because that was the biggest test for Solskjaer and his team this week. But we've, we're recording this 10, 15 minutes after the final whistle blew in the Netherlands. Um, and in the last eight days, we've seen three games all low on quality, all low on excitement. This, this may be a young Manchester United side with potential, but at least for the majority of fans, this is it's a hard team to get behind. It's a hard team to get behind because they don't offer us anything to get excited about. Like you said, three games in the last week against Rochdale, then Arsenal, then RZ Alkmaar, and very, very little in any three of those matches that makes you want, want to support this team in any sort of meaningful way. And that's a, a very, very hard thing as a as a fan to kind of get to grips with, you know? it It's an awful, awful thing for us to have to admit that actually... 
it is tough to get behind this United team at the moment. It really is. I mean, I'm just looking through through the stats from the last from the last few games. We had zero shots on target against RZ Alkmaar. We had four shots on target against Arsenal and seven against Rochdale. Eleven shots on target in three games. That one of which came against a League One opposition. One of which came against an Arsenal team that defensively struggles quite a lot. And one against uh, an RZ Alkmaar side that, although they're playing well at the moment in the Eredivisie, in the Europa League should not be off- offering us that sort of yeah. challenge. It, it, it's just hard as a fan to kind of well, get behind also, I think, I think if the Alkmaar result had come in isolation in what was otherwise a decent start to the season, not necessarily a good start, but otherwise, like, with, a, with a few wins here and there and at least some goals and some excitement, if, if, a, if a young team with an average age, of, there's a squad, entire squad at an average age of just 24 and a bit, uh, three teenagers starting and one on the bench, and kind of the fringe players as well. <clears throat> so if that team had gone to Alkmaar to play in on, a, on an AstroTurf pitch against a decent Dutch side and come away with a nil-nil draw and that performance, I think it would be okay. But it's the fact it comes after Arsenal, it comes after Rochdale, and it comes after all the things we've seen since the 4-0 win against Chelsea at the start of the season. That's that kind of compounding of just game after game being dull, and particularly in this period where there's so many of them. Um, and especially if, if you're going to the games as well, or if, if you're going to the games and paying the money for it, as as I've done for a couple of them, or if you're staying up till two thirty, four in the morning in America or, or Asia or wherever, it's hard to to, to stay positive. Yeah, because in all of these games, it's the same issues plaguing us every single time. Defensively, we look okay, but not spectacular. And we just don't look like we can get anything going up front. I, I honestly don't think this season I've, I can remember a time when we have created an attack, an established attack going forward where we've had the ball for a prolonged period of time and actually carved out a goal-scoring opportunity. Pretty much every single time that we score or we have a good opportunity is either on the counter-attack from a set piece or because of a mistake from the opposition. There are so few times when you see us with the ball, especially against teams that sit deep, where we have an established attack, where we have the ball for, you know, 10, 15, 20 passes and then carve a team open. It just doesn't happen. And that's exactly what we found against RZ tonight. We're recording this immediately after the RZ game. And RZ, as soon as they lost the ball, they'd be in a deep block. Eight, nine, ten men behind the ball. And we didn't break them down once. We didn't have a single clear-cut opportunity all night, maybe other than Mason Greenwood in the first half that got blocked by Ron Vlaar. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and, and to be honest, it, it's not that surprising because this United team have had that same issue for, for a long, long time under four, five managers now where we can't break down sides who, who sit back. And most sides do that against all the top teams, not just United, but I think particularly against United, teams know that they can sit back and potentially get a goal on the counter, but that's that's less important. Teams know that if if they score one goal against United, that that's now probably going to be enough because United just, just can't find the net um, from open play. Five wins from the last 22 now, and that's that's, that's relegation form. So it, it, it's not... Ten away games without a win as well. Yeah. I mean, Solskjaer hasn't won away from home since he became permanent United manager. And it, it's not just... The PSG was the last away win, wasn't it? Yeah. It's not just about performances anymore. The, the results are, are seriously bad. And because of who Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is and because we recognise that there are there are many more issues at Manchester United than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and, and his management, he would obviously be given more time than most other managers would. And 
I think we're we're both very happy to continue backing him and and hope he can turn things around. But five wins from the last twenty two. If you, Rafa Benitez won nine of his last twenty two as Newcastle United manager. I think Neil Warnock won six of his twenty two at the end of end of last season with Cardiff City, relegated Cardiff City, and one of those was was against United. So it, it, the results are, are seriously bad. Yeah, this is no longer us not keeping up with the rest of the top six. This is us legitimately having the kind of form that is of sort of a lower mid table team, and and that in itself is a, it's an embarrassment. Yeah. To be honest with you, there's no other way I can think of putting it. It is an embarrassment to this football club that. We are currently sitting here talking about a Man United team with five wins from the last 22 games. That is just unacceptable at any level. And I, I am not someone who's going to sit here and, and say that everything is, is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's fault because it's not. There's a lot of other issues at this club. But at what point do we stop stop backing Ole purely because of who he is and the situation that he's been put in? Because don't get me wrong, I, I feel for him because he's in an awful situation with a pretty terrible squad and a board that is largely dysfunctional. But five wins from 22 games is completely unacceptable at Manchester United. There is no way that we can continue like this. And if things don't pick up, at what point do we stop backing him? Because it it will come eventually if this carries on. And this this isn't a sustainable way of playing for this team. Yeah, I think it's a really hard decision for the board. And and I'm not usually going to give them that kind of, not credit, but that kind of, chance of of an excuse but it's a difficult one because in one sense you do want to just carry on and see this kind of it's barely a project because we can't see anything changing on the pitch really but you want to see this era of the club out by giving a manager a prolonged chance Um, but at the same time this is another manager that they've appointed a manager who when they appointed people said hold on why have you done this now why didn't you wait so there's clearly the pressure there, so it is a difficult decision. And I just find no one knows what this United side is about. And in pre-season, we were pretty positive because we could see what was changing. And if uh, we play better in pre-season than we, we did here, even even kind of yep. accounting for the, for the fact that it was pre-season, it was kind of a, a, not identity, but a clear kind of plan there. And you don't see, it's not that we're failing to... to uh, complete a plan that they go out and set the players to do you, you've got no idea if there's one there what's happened to the high pressing that was that was what our team was about yeah. in pre-season and against Chelsea it was all about high pressing it was about being an, a high intensity team that is constantly running it's going to outrun the opposition we might not have the most quality on the pitch all the time but we're going to press you we're going to ha- harry you we're going to harass you and we're going to make life tough for the opposition to play out from the back we're going to try and disrupt their style and we're going to try and hit you on the counter-attack what has happened to that Tonight, as I as I tweeted out during the game, RZ would have the ball. It would go back to Ron Vlaar at, at centre-back. Our, our defence would be camped on the edge of our own box. Our midfield would be only about five or ten yards further up the pitch than that. There was none. As we've said so many times before, defending doesn't just start from defenders. It starts from the front. It starts from the attackers setting the tone and really going out and pressing the opposition high up the pitch. That was the way that we wanted to play at the start of the year. And for some reason, we've gone away from that. All right, we've had some injuries here and there, but the whole point of implementing a style like that is that it means that anyone who comes into that role on the pitch knows what they have to do for, to fulfil that role. It's why teams like Liverpool and City can deal with injuries yeah. because you just plug in a new player. They might not be the same quality, but they know the role that they're supposed to do. And I don't see that in our team anywhere. Yeah, it's definitely true. And the, the, There was another thing that Michael Owen said um, in the immediate aftermath of the game against AZ was we we can't be too critical of these players in case it comes back to bite you because we know that they, they could suddenly come to life. And 
it's the same question we've asked with every United manager over the last half a decade is, are these players actually good? And I still I still think that they 100% are. We've seen the quality of, of Rashford, Martial, Pogba, um, even even someone like Juan Mata. We've, we've seen the quality of, of Greenwood, Williams, um, Gomez, Garner, all of these players. But none of them are doing anything. And the best player for United against AZ Alkmaar was Brandon Williams, and that was his first start. And yeah, really every time he, a young player comes into the team, they're one of the best players on the pitch. And as they start to play more and more, they start to settle into the rut that has just taken over United. Every time Dan James as well started the season in, in flying form and started to lose his confidence. So th- there is just this huge cloud over the club. And it's not coming from, from any one issue. It's slowly developed since the, the game, the, probably the draw against Wolves, really, where United probably should have won. Slowly developed and developed. There's no, There's not been this massive controversy it's just built up to be the thing that is, is hanging over United and, and their players at the moment. Yeah, there just seems to be a, a general sort of lethargic nature to this United team. And you're right, it's pervading into the young players that are coming in from the youth squad. And it seems like they come in for, you know, maybe a game or two. Everything seems to be better. They're injecting some energy into the team. And then they just sort of settle down into, into this, like I said, this lethargic sort of way of playing where everything is very slow. It's, it's very, very low intensity. And that isn't the way that the youth teams play. It's not the way that these that these people, that these players have been used to playing in, in their formative years at the club. And yet they come into the first team and I don't know if that's something that the tone is set like that in training, but the, probably the only player all season that hasn't sort of fallen into that trap is Scott McTominay, as we've said before. And even when he came on against RZ, he, he provided us with a little bit of a spark. There was one fantastic ball that he played into Lingard where Lingard probably should have scored and he just put it wide. And that was the only chance that we created all night. And it came just from having someone in midfield who could get their head up and could pick a pass forward. But other than that, there was just no urgency with getting the ball forward at all. Well, that's the thing as well, is that Fred, another massively underwhelming performance, um, Lingard as well, and and there just isn't anything there in United's midfield. And, and you now watch United think, maybe with Paul Pogba, there might have been a little bit more to this United side. But there wasn't against Rochdale. There wasn't against Arsenal. So it's now got to a stage where Pogba's playing fine, even he's not creating anything. And that's that's really worrying. Yeah, we just don't ever... I, I don't think I've ever watched a, a supposedly top team. And I say top in, in quotation marks at the moment because we aren't really one. I've never seen a top team lack creativity so much. I, I have no faith watching us that we're ever going to create a, a chance from open play. I just don't. There is... The only the only way I see us creating a chance is on a, is on the counter attack. It's how we scored against Arsenal. It's how pretty much all of our goals came against Chelsea. And all season, the only way we look like scoring is either from a counter attack or a penalty. And that's been the case for the entire season. That I I, I don't think I've, I've seen a team with less creativity than this. And sure, you know, to give Solskjaer some excuse, I guess the squad isn't good enough, and we don't have many creative players, as you said, Paul Pogba really is the only creative player that we have that looks like doing something for us. Having said that, there are plenty of other teams that have far less quality players than we do, and they manage to create chances purely because of the tactical way that they play and that they have a plan when they go forward, and we don't. We look like a bunch of players that have never, ever trained together before, that have no idea how to play with one another, trying to create something out of nothing, and it just doesn't work. Well, it's also that that there's no sense of a plan in anything United do. It's not just in terms of how they're playing... Uh, whether they're pressing, whether they're on the counter, you look at set pieces, there's nothing there. Um, 
and it, it just pervades throughout yeah. the, the whole setup. As you think, there's no plan here. There's no plan coming from the top in terms of transfers, managers. We've been through all this about the strategy at the top of the club, and I, it's not to say that that kind of leaks down to the the rest of the club. It does, but this is also a, a criticism of the coaching staff. You can't see anything there. Nothing from set pieces, nothing in, in terms of their no, play, not, at not all. much in terms of the development of youngsters. It's kind of flipping, flopping all over the place. He's strong as one minute and play. It, and even when we team. do have a plan, like we, we have had a plan for some set pieces with this sort of chipped ball to Harry Maguire at the back post. But even then, it's not planned properly because we don't have people running off of Harry Maguire for the knockdown that he's trying to get. And it, it's like, oh, well, we'll just put it in there. Maguire will win the header and then we'll sort of see what happens. And it, it's just this sort of haphazard plan and it doesn't seem to have any real real kind of thought to it yeah I guess the thing from the the AZ Outmark game that I also thought uh, and this is very Twitter based opinion uh, because it, it comes from from people overreacting as normal is is it, a result uh, another bad result in a in a worrying trend of results obviously um, but at the same time it, it's predictable short term pain in what may be a rebuild but we don't know yet. We I don't think anyone has faith in in the fact that this no. rebuild might work. So, and and the other question is, will it get worse? And, and possibly, yeah, it probably will because as things stand, United are kind of competing for a top ten spot, um, let alone yep. a, a top four spot or top six spot. And to to be fair to to United fans, I do agree with you, Harry, that people are overreacting. But I think we're quite critical of of United fans, especially on Twitter, quite a lot for the way that they are very reactionary. But to be fair to United fans, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and this team have all the goodwill in the world thrown their way. There was so much slack cut for them when Ole was first given the permanent role because of everything that we'd seen before, the the way that fans were did feel more connected to the club, more connected to this team. So I actually do think that United fans in general have given Ole a lot more slack than would normally have happened. You saw after the Arsenal game on Monday, fans are chanting Ole, Ole, Ole after the game, after after we've gone five, five wins in 21 games. That would never have happened under a different manager. But there comes a point when you have to kind of say, well, what are we actually what are we actually supporting here? And I think United fans, and we've said this before on, on here quite a lot, United fans would have accepted a season of bad results. I even think United fans, to some degree, at least some of them, would have accepted a season where we finished eighth or ninth. If on the pitch, we could see something changing. We could see some positives. We could see young players improving, a style being implemented. And it was simply that sometimes the execution was wrong. I think we would have accepted that. But we're not seeing any yeah. of that. We're not seeing any improvement either in the results or the style. And I think that's why fans are now starting to get towards a point where we can't accept this for much longer. Yeah, right. Um, all I was going to say is this is not the, the, the night where you would turn as a fan. Because th- this no, in not, isolation not is, is a is a fine result. United should be winning away to AZ Outmark, but this is is the kind of result you would have seen under some top managers for top clubs. Um, but yeah, as long as you win your home games and draw your away games in Europe, you're fine. Yeah, but the, the, there's two two questions I I kind of want to discuss in in how do you improve this United team? Um, and obviously it, it, it's a lot to do with confidence, and we've we've seen over the last five years that most of this United team are, are very much confidence players, particularly the best ones, which is, is what you don't want to happen. So United's best players, Pop, Martial, Rashford, are absolutely confidence players, completely reliant on it um, and, and look terrible without it. Uh, but apart from that, the things that Solskjaer could change, one is the formation. Um, United kind of mainly playing with a, a 4-2-3-1 at the moment. Obviously, 
it changes within games as all formations do. It's not that simple. But should United be be swapping into a four three three? Potentially, yes. Um, although I, I think we often kind of tra- go towards a four three three in game sometimes. So I'm really not quite sure how much it would offer us. I, in some ways, I wonder if we should actually be trying to move towards sort of a, f- a five at the back or three at the back, whatever you want to call it. Because I think if we had a, a three at the back of Maguire, Lindelof, and Twanzebe. I think it would actually offer us quite a lot more going forward because we'd, a- we'd be able to put that extra man in in midfield. And those three at the back are good enough on the ball that I would, especially in the case of Harry Maguire, trust them to kind of be the ones to be starting off our attacks. But I don't know if it's something... Who do that- you have at the back? Maguire, Maguire Lindelof and Twanzi? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, could, I could get behind that. And then you play sort of Wan-Bissaka, Shaw, or maybe Brandon Williams as, as the as the wing-backs. McTominay, Pogba... But then the, the problem is who's that third man in, in midfield that you put in there? And then and then with sort of uh, James or Rashford or Martial or Greenwood filling up those two two spots up front. I mean, you could even look at playing Dan James as a, as a wing back as well. Because, um, you know, with that yeah. five, five at the back, you can afford to have a bit of a more attacking winger on that as that wing yeah, back. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be risky. But, I mean, James has got the, the pace to deal with um, a, a counter-attack, but he hasn't got the, the defensive qualities but saying that yeah. some of United's fullbacks don't have them so um, and have, haven't for the last few years so it, it's a possible the, the problem is that putting wingers like that as a wing back and a five at the back works in teams where you have possession for the vast majority of the game and you don't have to defend for prolonged periods and I don't think that would be the case in United, Although United so often, often do, do have I do, that I, I do think it might be a formation worth trying United often have that is often the case with United at home is um lot of possession the other team sits back and yeah. they do counter but yeah as as I say James has the pace and thought of putting him at wing back before the other, the other positional change is if you're not going to go to three at the back which I think is an interesting idea um, is a few people have been suggesting Axel Twanzebe in midfield um, he's had a fantastic start to the season Twanzebe uh, United fans singing his song all throughout the Arsenal game and the Rochdale game as well, and and Astana, and, and a couple of other games, because United fans are, are, are really enjoying watching Twanzebe, because he's good, solid defensive performances, excellent on the ball, um, and a really likeable character, uh, who who captained United against Rochdale, his hometown club, and that was a, a nice gesture, and, and he did so well. Um, yeah, so everyone's enjoying Twanzebe at the moment. Could he be shifted into midfield? And then if he plays as a kind of a, a deeper midfielder, that could... You send Pogba further forward as an attacking midfielder and have Scott McTominay alongside Twanzebe. Yeah, I think he, I think he really could. I felt, I felt quite sorry for Twanzebe after the Arsenal game because it was obviously his mistake that led to Aubameyang's goal. But I think it actually it overshadowed what was a, a really accomplished performance playing in a very unfamiliar role. And I do think he could work in yeah. the field because, from what I see of Twanzebe, I see a player who reads the game very, very well, and he under he, he's very good anticipation. But probably one on one defending is is probably the worst, the weakest part of his game, uh, and I do think that that could suit him moving into midfield, where he, he probably won't be isolated quite so much as he was at fullback against Arsenal. I, I think it could actually work with him going into midfield and sort of playing a similar role to what we want Nemanja Matic to play. But hopefully, was as someone who's a bit more yeah. confident on the on the ball, is a bit more eager to move the ball quickly and spread the ball forward which is what we're looking for but defensively obviously very very solid and I do think it, it would help it also had a little bit of pace to our midfield because quite often with McTominay and Matic in there there's, there's just no pace at all to try and stop teams countering against us well he's also a player that will actually just sit in that midfield position 
And you can ask Pogba to do yeah. that. You can ask McTominay to do that, but they don't do that naturally. And they, they shouldn't be doing that naturally. So it, it's someone that you could trust to hold that position and, and really act as that kind of deep-lying uh, playmaker who, who can create, but also yeah. hold that position and, and make sure United are, are more solid on the counter-attack. I think it's... And I, I've long thought that it's much easier for centre-backs to move into as into sort of being a holding midfielder than it is to make more attacking midfielders like Pogba drop into that defensive midfield. Yeah, role. I think that's because they're, they're, they're such different positions. They're, they're asking such different uh, roles yeah. from you that, yeah, moving as a as kind of a composed ball-playing defender into that midfield position is, is always going to be less difficult. Which of the two would you like to see Solskjaer try first? I don't think he'll try either of them, to be honest, but would you rather see a, a three at the back or... Um, Twanzebe going to midfield. Well, I think in, in the short term it makes more sense to to try Twanzebe in midfield first. There's no point changing everything if if you know moving Twanzebe and keeping roughly the same for, formation would work because it's a much smaller change and would require a lot less work on the training ground. So I think I'd rather see that first in the short term and just see if it makes any kind of difference. I, the other the other thing that I think doing that would would have the effect of is pushing McTominay a little bit further forward because. Actually, quietly, McTominay has turned into a very, very good player on the ball. I think we often saw him under Mourinho and at the start of the season, mainly as sort of like just a combative midfielder, almost in an Ander yeah. Herrera kind of role. But actually, he's improved a lot on the ball. And when he comes on in games, he, he provides a little bit of spark for us going forward. So I do think if Twansby pushed into midfield, it would also give McTominay a little bit of a license to be a bit more of an offensive yeah, just going player back to for us. Bit, um, you, were, you were mentioning that his kind of mistake against Arsenal overshadowed but uh, I was at the game and coming out of the ground all the United fans singing his name because no one had really noticed that it was his mistake that gave away the goal and everyone had seen his, his good performance in the rest of the yeah. game so when I think that often tells a tale of whether mistake was really a, a shock or, or whether it could have been saved and it's, it's clear that United didn't have to concede that goal after he made the mistake it was also a, a, a couple of other errors from the defence we should move on to our, our youth alone and women's roundup, and then we'll we'll get talking about Sunday against Newcastle, which should be a, is an absolute must win game as as all of them are for United. But um, in under twenty three's news, United have had a, a good weekend. They first played uh, last Friday. Jimmy Garner and Largi Ramazani scoring again. Both of them are in fantastic form. I think they've both got six goals in their games for the under twenty threes this season and a couple of assists each as well. United beat Norwich under 23s 2-0 on Friday night they then played in the Football League trophy EFL trophy um, now called I think it's called the leasing.com trophy which is a ridiculous name and Jimmy Garner scored again he's uh, he's vying for that chance in the first team and he definitely deserves it at the moment because I think every game he's played in for the under 23s United have won and all the ones he haven't played in United have um not one. They've, I think they've drawn one and lost one when Jimmy Garner's not been playing, so he definitely deserves a chance. In under-18s news, United played last Saturday against Leicester. Um, they scored four goals. They were 4-1 up, but ended up drawing 4-4. Goals came from Ben Hockenall, Mark Helm, new signing Dylan Hugerwerf, and Shola Shortire, and then Leicester got, I think, three goals in the final five or ten minutes, which was shocking. In women's news, United beat Liverpool women for their first ever win in the Women's Super League. Fantastic result and fantastic day against United's biggest rivals. One of the goals coming from 17-year-old Lauren James and then Zellem topping it off with a 95th minute penalty. So excellent result for Casey Stoney's side there. In loan news... um, Dean Henderson, the goalkeeper, talented goalkeeper, who signed a new contract with United in the summer, then went back to Sheffield United, made an absolute shocker against Liverpool. Sheffield United played so well, but Henderson letting them score 
and I'm really disappointed from him but there was a nice tweet from Peter Schmeichel after the game saying forget about it keep moving on and keep uh, doing what you're doing because Henderson is doing very well now Jack Newcastle on Sunday late kick off 4.30 away at St James's Park against Steve Bruce they're a terrible side we're a terrible side it, it shouldn't be an entertaining game and I, I don't think it will and I'm predicting a, a 1-0 win for United 0-0 anyone? <laughs> I mean <laughs> that's really what it's looking like to me um I don't know. You surely we you want to you want to predict. I I don't know. Can we score against anyone at the moment? We barely scored <laughs> against Rochdale or Astana. Um, yeah, true. Yeah, I don't know. It's I I don't want to predict that we're not going to beat Newcastle because they do look very very poor at the moment. Steve Bruce has got this team playing in a pretty dire fashion. To be honest, they're almost even less entertaining than we are somehow. Um, I want to I, I want to go with a one nil win, like you said, um, but I, I'm finding it very very difficult to predict. That. I'll say a one nil win via a penalty that comes in like the set just past the seventieth minute after we've just had them coshed in, but not creating any chances for the whole game. Yeah, it's an interesting one because United's uh, injury situation is improving. Marcus Rashford's coming back. Anthony Martial probably won't be back for this one. Probably after the international break, but Pogba's fit. Um, Andrew Gomez is fit again. Greenwood, Chong, James. Um, United have the options now. What what front line would you go for in Newcastle away? Because there's, there's clearly not going to be much space there. So it's it's do you do you even bother playing Dan James because he can't? He's he's unlikely to be able to use his pace. Or do you wait until Newcastle try to go for it at the end, bring James off the bench, and and then try hit them on the counter attack with his his fresh legs? I think it's a difficult one for Solskjaer. Yeah, it is because you don't really want to leave Dan James out because of how well he's played. And even though his goals have dried up a little bit in the last few weeks, he's still probably been our most threatening player. And the, and the one chance that we did create against RZ all came from, uh, from Daniel James getting down the right flank and pulling it back for Mason Greenwood. I would be tempted to give Angel Gomez a go from the start because I think it's going to take someone with the vision and the, and the passing ability that Gomez has on the ball to unlock this Newcastle defence. As you said, it's not going to be a game where there's a lot of space for people to run in behind. So I don't think it's going to suit Dan James's style. So I, I would be tempted to give Angel Gomez a go from the start. He's done absolutely nothing wrong in the games that he's played so far. Hasn't set the world on fire, but he's been some nice touches. And I think if we if we get him playing in the hole instead of out on the, on the left, that's where he can be most effective. Yeah, I think definitely play Angel Gomez, and if not, play James Garner in midfield because he's he's doing fantastically well for the under twenty threes. When he has come into the first team, he's done well. Um, He's a he's a, a really good midfielder, and United are lacking in that area, um, in in so many different departments. And I hope I hope the other thing I hope Brandon Williams gets a start as well. He deserves it. He was probably our best player against yeah. RZ. He hasn't looked out of place at all, and it, especially I mean, if the other option is Ashley Young, then I think Brandon Williams one hundred percent deserves Absolutely, a start. Yeah, he made he made a little mistake against Rochdale, but I thought he was apart from that he was very good, and and he got more confidence in the second half against RZ. Um, and start to show his attacking qualities, which is the real difference between him yeah. and, and someone like Shaw or Young, is his his confidence in attack and his ability. Because United, United try to go wide. Um, they try to play as a, a team with width, but Rashford, Marshall cut in, James cuts in, so Williams can really give that overlap down the left hand side, which Shaw often kind of holds back on, and Wan-Bissaka doesn't do that often either. Um, and this is the thing: if, if Solskjaer plays Brandon Williams one of Garner and Gomez I think it would be unrealistic to to suggest both of them will start um, and Mason Greenwood then that, that's three players from the academy who are getting chances and that that's exciting in itself so 
again, we've said this before, he will get more time if he continues to play these young players, but he's got to play them in a system that's consistent with a regular starting level so that they can come in, slip in into a, a reasonably confident team. Obviously, that's difficult at the moment, but he's got to start having a, a consistent system and, and style so that these young players can come in and actually improve rather than kind of restricting their their, their potential. Exactly, because everyone, you know, everyone, everyone always says, oh, with these young players, you've just got to go out there and let them express themselves, do their own thing. And, and while that is true, they, they also need some guidance. They need to understand what their role is. They need to understand what sort of positions they should be taking up, what... Do we want Angel Gomez to be the kind of attacking midfielder that's making runs in behind? Do we want him to sit in the hole and, and be linking the play together? So yeah, they, they do need the confidence and the freedom to go out there and, and just play their own game. But they also need some guidance from the coaching staff of the sort of role that they're supposed to be playing in. And without that, it makes it so difficult to come into the team as a youngster and actually try and be an, an effective player. Yeah, absolutely. Um, are you going 1-0? Reluctantly, yes. <laughs> All right, two one nils from us, so that's a that's a positive backing of Oligan and Solskjaer's United team. Um, we'll have to leave it there. That's all for series five, episode nine of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Thank you for always for listening, even in this uh, dreary period of games for Manchester United. It is disappointing. Hopefully, there will be a win at the weekend and maybe even more than one goal. But we'll be lucky if we get one goal at all, to be honest. Um, <laughs> for more from Jack throughout the week, before that game, during that game and after the game, you can follow him on Twitter at... Maybe we should run a, a Twitter competition of how long it's going to take for us to score more than one goal in a game. What date do we think <laughs> is going to happen? Will it happen before the what end of date? October? Well, we've got the international break, so that doesn't help us. No, exactly. Liverpool straight after that, so... I turn, um, too, I turn 22 in exactly a month. I wonder if I'll see United score two goals in a game before I turn 22. All right, that's a good barometer of United's success. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you can find me on Twitter at UTDTate, T-A-I-T. You can find me on Twitter at HarryRobinson64 and the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there. Thank you for always for listening. Have a great weekend. We're recording this not on a Monday, but on a Thursday this time to kind of try and fit in with the mad flurry of games. Um, So apologies for that, but I hope you've enjoyed today's episode and have a good week. Goodbye. Network. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware.